Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. Today, I'm joined by the lovely Lee Bowman-Perks, who is all about inspiring leadership. Lee is a certified executive coach, a facilitator, and a speaker, and a very good one too, by all accounts, and uses leading methods, latest research, and her own eight-point inspiring leadership model, which we'll find out about today, to challenge leaders to make behavioral change and make positive impact. Lee is also the author of Inspiring Women Leaders, which is a reflection of her passion for changing the landscape for developing women in leadership. And if all that wasn't enough, Lee founded the Inspiring Leadership Trust to support selected projects with a variety of charities. And we are going to find out about those as well. Um, I've heard about this lady from lots and lots of people not known to me before today. So it's a great pleasure getting to know her and as will all of you over the next 30 minutes. Uh, So let's start with a very, very warm welcome to our special guest today, Lee Bowman-Perks. Lee, thank you for joining us on the Sandro Forte podcast. Thank you so much, Sandro. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. I'm really impressed by your 150 podcasts as well. So um, thank you for inviting me. I know, uh, and, uh, and, a, and a massive uh, a massive following in many, many different, 48 countries of the world now, which is, which is fantastic, but a testament to some amazing guests. And I have no doubt whatsoever, Lee, that you are definitely going to be one of those from everything I know and everything I hear. So let's, let's kick off because 30 minutes, uh, I know you're a bit of a chatterbox. I'm a bit of a chatterbox. <laughs> so, and I say that in the, in the loveliest possible way, but given that we are both chatterboxes, um, I'm, I'm mindful that we have to try and get all this rammed into 30 minutes to, mm. to bring meaningful value to all of our listeners. So let's start with the lovely Lee. Tell us about yourself and your background. Uh, where did it all start? Where are you based? Where did you come from? I know that there are some very intrusive questions, but we'd like to get to know you a little bit better before we start. Yeah, thank you, Sandra. And, and and what I would say is that you know, where I am today is just so completely different to my background, where I come from, as with so many of the leaders that I see out there as well, particularly the inspiring leaders. And, you know, my backstory was one of fleeing a life-threatening situation with my mom and my sister um, on a plane back home to Ireland. And growing up in Ireland in this you know, beautiful part of the world, and yet this bittersweet um, combination of religion, which is very much about traditionalist kind of views and conformism, the troubles, you know, which is very much around fear and control, and um, but 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 a cause um, for some people, um, and then community, this this beautiful space of of kind of giving, and I think that just the whole experience of being back home in Ireland was very formative, I think, for where I am today. And having, you know, fled the UK um, uh, from what my mum was experiencing in terms of a very abusive, tough relationship with my father, who, who sadly passed away when I was young. Um, we were hiding from the bailiffs when they were 
turn up at the door. Um, it was extremely hard. It, it, it was, uh, you know, and that it kind of creates that sense of scarcity when you come from a position which is tough to begin with. It creates this feeling of, of, of kind of scarcity. But then being part of a community which is about compassion, abundance, love, whilst at the same time having some real challenges around the more traditional mindset. It was, uh, as I say, pretty bittersweet. But I left school without any qualifications because I I went to a convent school. Would you believe it? Um, And would you believe I was very shy? I wasn't always a chatterbox, by the way. (laughs) I used to, I was renowned for hiding behind my mother's um, skirt, uh, being deeply, deeply shy. So um, I left school without any qualifications, got a job um, over here in the UK with British Gas. Didn't even know what that was back then. I thought, you know, we, we would just kind of roll in the Calor Gas kind of uh, bottles, not understanding the, the full appreciation of an organization like that. And they took me on um, onto a youth training program and they developed me and supported me. And that was a, a real pivotal time in my life because... Uh, leaders saw in me something that maybe I didn't see in myself. Um, and it was the start of, of my journey. Fantastic. I, I'm going to ask you a, a little bit, well, a lot, if I may, about uh, what you're doing daily. But just want to trace our steps back to um, the comments you made around your early years and, and those memories of hiding from the bailiffs, as you put it, and, and you use the word scarcity. It's a, it's a word I use a lot, actually. And what's really interesting about people who've achieved success in life or business is oftentimes they come from that, that place of scarcity where things have been tough and challenging. Um, and you also talked about your lack of academic ability, if that's the right expression. Um, I'm interested to know in your experience um, because many people, you know, attach academic ability to success. Many people talk about, you know, um, coming from a place of abundance or from privilege in life. And yet so many people achieve great things having never had um, a good start in life, if, if that's the right way to put it, or possibly are challenged with things like dyslexia or a lack of qualification at school just didn't do very well or or in your case were quite shy so what did you learn along the way that that was that the transformation that that took you from a place of great challenge to the the world in which you now live and operate and of course taking all of those skills and and sharing them with others what did you learn along the way? Because it doesn't, it doesn't, what I'm trying to say is it doesn't necessarily follow that you have to come from a place of privilege to be successful. No, not at all. Um, and, and from it being a top performing student in school to that being squeezed out of me um, through fear, actually, you know, being taught by nuns and all those, all those kinds of challenges it, that, um, so what that taught me not early on, I've had to go through life and learn it a little bit too late, um, is the power of courage in the absence of fear and the importance of drive. And it's that combination. And I didn't see courage before. I just knew scarcity. So the drive was there, but it always came from a place of scarcity. So fear, fear that I would lose something, fear that I wouldn't be good enough. Um, and those are really that's a that's a darker space to be following your passion from. Um, and I didn't learn until later on that 
that, that that needed to be addressed. But what I did, as I look back now, and Steve Jobs talks about joining the dots, and as you look back, and it is when you look back over, over the years, and you go, wow, where does courage come from? And I remember, you know, my mom, um, who uh, was a fabulous teacher, but she, you know, the, the traditional side of Ireland, trying to get a job in a school as the first divorcee in a town, it was really tough to do, but she did it. She broke down the barriers to standing up in council meetings and challenging um, some quite influential, powerful people about the troubles and how we needed to follow a bit more of a moral compass and be outspoken about what was right and wrong. Or my grandfather who did the same, and it was actually, um, uh, there's a whole story there too. Courage to me is just, now I've learned that finding your voice is just so important. Finding your passion is one thing, but to do it in the absence of fear and then to pursue it with confidence and courage. And if I look around the world at the moment with this global pandemic, and we're talking about all these things that we're learning about the global pandemic, and hey, we don't have to work in offices, and we've got these 21st century godlike technologies, and yet we've got our paleolithic emotions that mean we sit within our offices and don't, don't make change happen because we don't trust people in an agile world. But that's not probably some of the biggest, it's a bit, certainly a big learning, but there's so much more to it than that. What we are learning as a community is, is fear and contextualizing it. So fear, when you know there are people there, and I've experienced this myself through COVID, is when you can't say goodbye to a family member because of restrictions. When you concern yourself around whether you can even run your business anymore, that's fear. And so... I suppose the big learnings for me is to address the dark side and just get out there and go after things, no matter what, because actually my fears are unwarranted because I don't, my ego, I don't have that much of a big impact in the world. You know, who am I kidding? So actually, if I just go after things, that's all right. If I make a mistake, it's probably not going to bring the world to its knees. There are some people out there that do have that kind of influence in powerful positions. That's deeply concerning, but I'm not there. So actually, in the absence of all that, what the hell is stopping me? And now that I'm kind of about to be a grandmother, it's a little bit late in the day to learn that lesson. But at least it's now and it's not, you know, on my deathbed or something like that at the end at, at the end of time. Um, and so it's really. Oh, for me, it's a complete revelation. Mm. I have to say you've you've articulated that really really well and and overlain that with with some amazing perspectively. Um, I, there's a number of things that we are um, we have a lot of synergy here because uh, I lost my father when I was very young. Um, I was also taught by nuns actually. Uh, that's a that's a whole different story. Nuns, what's going on? Exactly, and uh, I'm already a grandfather, so I'm I'm just a, a little bit ahead of you. But congratulations on on your the the forthcoming joyful addition to the family. So um, let, let's talk a little bit about behaviour and change since you've touched on that subject already. Um, the unlocking of one's potential, and you, you know, you're dealing dealing with this day in day out. Um, there are people out there who are achieving a semblance of success. Whatever, I mean, I don't think we've ever arrived at what the true definition of success is because it's different things to different people. Mm. But 
it's very difficult, as we know, for people to transition from one place in life or business to another, particularly when they have the comfort of some degree of success. So how hard is it or easy is it to encourage behavioral change when clearly change is needed because we are creatures of comfort and habit? And, and that must be one of your biggest challenges. How, how do you deal with behavioral change? So creatures of comfort to me is like stagnation. And if we always do what we've always done, famous expression, we'll always get what we always got. And it, it does kind of lend itself back to fear, but it also brings ego states to play. So understanding where our egos lie um, so for example, you know, if we have an ego that tells us that we're not good enough, and so we're always comparing and we feel this sense of relative deprivation in comparison to everything around us, then we will play the smaller game and we won't embrace what's new because actually we fear it and we can't lean into it. So we'll always do, we'll, we'll lean into what we know if we, so that's, an, that's the ego state of inferiority, right? If we have an ego of superiority, and I think we've got some wonderful examples out there at the moment, <laughs> then actually we are completely blindsided um, because it's about the power that we have over others. And so I think the first place for any learning program, it has to be grounded in reality. It can't be nebulous. So when I work with leaders and organizations, it's about going, right, guys, we need to come back to the truth not your version of the truth and not your interpretation because we live in self-deceit as well. So we, we can become self-aware, but we play with self-awareness. We talk about self-awareness. What we don't do is address the kind of the self-deceit that's going on, our biases, which is a natural tendency for us, right? So it's natural for us to protect ourselves and our image and our brand and everything that we have so that we don't get hurt. But actually, you've kind of got it <laughs> different to what I was saying before about don't go to your dark side so much. But this is going to the dark side more mm. to really embrace that level of self-awareness that brings in the insight from your stakeholders. So it's not about my ego as a coach in the room and your ego as the coach. He's saying, hey, this is what I want to work on. And are you making a change? Yeah. And you're, you're conspiring together around what your change needs to look like. It starts with self-awareness, but through different lenses. So the lens of the organization, the lens of your family and friends. Why are, what's great about you? What do we love? And that you need to keep going. But also, if you worked on these few things, there is only a few things for leaders. If you really embrace this, then actually how transformational will that be? So the start is always right back to how do we build real self-awareness and break down the self-deceit? And then the transformation can happen. Because then you start to go, do you know what? Yeah, I am like that. I mm. do throw a wobbly in meetings and I slam on the desk. Or I do hide away on a, uh, my own little island when I get too high pressured. And, and what does that mean as a CEO in an organization? It starts there. And once you, you start it, you can embrace it courageously. Um, with focus and attention and decisively as well. You can take decisive action because you know specifically what is it I need to be working on? And we've all got things to work on. And the problem is we wait so long to have that real honest conversation. 
or we limit coaching and development for organizations in a way that could really enhance and open this up and create that transparency. We're scared of it, right? We're scared of that real conversation. And yet when we do, there's real aha moments. When we don't, people think they're either, there's something wrong with the system, there's something wrong with the people around them, and I don't fit in, or there's something wrong with me. So development and awareness and proper intervention, I think, is really underestimated. But the power to intervene is, is huge if we embrace it. When I grow up, I want to be just like you because you have an incredible ability to articulate things so well, Lee. Um, kudos to you for that. Um, do you see... We, we, you work with a lot of female leaders. So do you see... I don't want to be too political about this, but do you see progress within our society where women are starting to move more into leadership roles, being recognised and all the skills that they bring? Is, is, there a, is there a move towards more female leaders in society, do you think? So I think the doors have been opened. And what is wonderful as you look around society today is if there are people in organisations that aren't playing ball, then it very swiftly makes its headlines into the media. And how powerful is that with all of the campaigns that are happening out there? But I think here's the thing with the diversity. So the, the platform is ours for the taking. What we've got to know is what we therefore want to lean into. Okay. Um, so that's one thing. Um, with all of the context around us, what is it really important for us to embrace in our careers? Um, but we need to understand what diversity really means. Because it's one thing to tick a box, and it's another thing to actually explore within the organization how you bring diversity to the fore. And that's diversity. So inter intersectionality to me is fundamental. We've, as described before, we've all got our stories to tell. Privilege, background, all those kinds of things. That's an assumption. That's an assertion. That's a judgment. We need to move away from the language that actually holds us back and makes us less tolerant of all of us as individuals. And I would like to see more tolerance, more, more inspirational language that actually helps us to go, what do we mean by diversity when we hire for it, when we develop it? And by the way, when we come into a meeting room, that we don't suppress the ability to think, we create a sense of equality for everybody to con contribute. We create a culture within our organization where we're not fear, fearful of speaking up. We're not fearful of being authentic. Everybody has a part to play. So I think there's amazing stuff happening. And I think we don't talk about the success stories enough. We don't talk about the role models enough. We play into our fears and we use that to sensationalize what's happening around the world. Mm. That's not great. We need role models for what good looks, looks like. The platform is ours for the taking. However, how we then embrace diversity, how we lead an organization that's diverse. I think we fall short there. We don't know how to do it yet. But whilst we still focus on ticking boxes, we will have challenges around our culture. We will have challenges around attrition and ret retention and attraction. So it has to be a combined approach for any leader, any organization to really think, mm. what does diversity and equality mean for us? 
you've kind of answered my next question. It was floating around in my head before you started answering the question. And it was the, you know, the attributes. A lot of people ask me, you know, what are the attributes for, for a great leader? But you've, you've, uh, you've answered that really, really well. Um, the Inspiring Leadership Trust, let's talk about that um, because I know that's a very important part of what you do. And I know it's something you hold very dear to your heart. Tell us a little bit about that, Lee, and the impact in particular it's had on, uh, on other people. So can we come back to it? So actually, because the attributes of what makes an inspiring leader, um, we've done a massive piece of research and it points straight back to the compass. And let me ask you the question again, shall I? Yeah. And we'll, and we'll slot it in. <laughs> OK, so uh, funnily enough, Lee, you were you were already a step ahead of me because I was thinking um, for my next question to ask you a little bit about a question that is asked of me many, many times. And that is, you know, what makes a great leader? What are the attributes to a great leader, if such a thing exists, is there is there a list of things, or is is it just a bit more general? You know, have you have you ever done any research on it? Are there are there things that you know that can help us to understand what makes a great leader? So we wanted to um, several years ago not just explore what makes a great leader, but what makes an inspiring leader. So inspiring, if you look it up, um, that the Latin word is inspiritus. And it means to breathe life into. That's really, we've hung our hat on that because there's not enough inspiration that sits out there. I think we've got average quite often. We've got mediocrity quite often, but we don't have a really clear picture of what makes something inspiring. So we did a huge piece of research with some of the, the founding fathers of what emotional intelligence looks like today. So it's scientifically proven. It's analyzed and assessed with leaders around the world to understand what makes an inspiring leader. And that all that research, all that hard work, um, thousands upon thousands of interviews, assessments, coaching, analysis, and it's culminated in the most simplest inspiring leadership compass. But actually, it's a statistically proven model, so it correlates directly with performance and potential. And it's got eight components. And it starts with morality and ethics, MQ. Yeah, it's got, it's got to be at your core. What's, mm -hmm. What do you stand for? And what do you understand about others that is really important to, to um, embrace diversity? PQ, purpose, vision, meaning. So once you know what you stand for, where are you going? HQ, health and well-being, not talked enough about in organization. You know, mental health has become come to the forefront, but what does that mean in the context of leadership? IQ, when we talk about it, it's not just about our own intelligences, which actually um, are academic and our, you know, um, our intelligence. Uh, in its most purest form, in its most binary form, as um, in the 70s and 80s, pre-EQ. Um, but IQ in terms of cognitive intelligence, wisdom, and that collective wisdom. So we talk about that too. Emotional intelligence, clearly, it had to make its way in there. Resilience, another one. Your brand, so once you've kind of worked from within, then what's your brand, your reputation? Um, really important. And then finally, your legacy, so LQ. So MQ and LQ, um, they're the bookends to the inspiring leadership compass. So if you imagine you take away morality and ethics and you take away legacy, stewardship, then everything starts to collapse. So the inspiring leadership compass and there's assessment tools and a whole kind of range of different diagnostics. But in essence, it is it captures what makes an inspiring leader. So absolutely we, we we know and understand it now we just need to know how to to do it 
Amazing. Uh, that's that's a, a great track to, for people, people to run on. The inspiring, since we've heard the word a few times now, inspiring <laughs> leadership trust, uh, the impact that it's had on many, many people. Tell us a little bit about the work you do there, Lee. Oh, so the Inspiring Leadership Trust was born out of the research and this whole piece around legacy. And when we did the assessments, we found that so many leaders wanted to leave a positive and lasting legacy. So the passion was there. And yet they um, they struggled to navigate through to what that could look like in terms of their impact beyond something transactional like CSR programs within organizations. And at the same time, we looked out to our communities and we said, my gosh, We've got thousands of charities. We've got just a, it's so much work, great work going on. But why is it women and girls from vulnerable backgrounds are not making it into um, that space of empowerment and financial independence that we need to see that will help to change communities and the world that we live in today? So the Inspiring Leadership Trust was born out of how do we marry up amazing leaders talented leaders from a whole wide range of organizations with those women and girls and take those women and girls through the curriculum of the Inspiring Leadership Compass um, and, and really develop them, but through a process of real change. So we are all volunteers apart from some core resource, which means that we're really efficient. We're really agile. We are experts in our field because we all come from business. And we take everything that we know in terms of top talent, talent development programs and career development. And we marry that up with the ambitions of the girls, so not to say, hey, let's just get you a job. Let's patronize you and a job is good enough. But to say, right, you as a woman, you deserve our attention. You deserve to be listened to. So let's talk about what your strengths are. Oh, you love art. Right. OK, let's match you up. Even though you're in the depths of Grimsby, let's match you up with an international digital designer based in New York that's going to challenge you, stretch you, inspire you, and really help you to open up your horizons. And let's take you on a journey of building confidence, your self-esteem, and everything that you need to help you to get there. And we will not let go of your hand, by the way, on the way, because we're funded in a way that is, means we can only do a three-week program. What we do is we say, we're actually a bunch of volunteers around a very strong structure, a proven model. And if your journey is one year, two years, three years, by the way, if you wanna come back in, that's okay too. If you're in your fifties and you're struggling, that's okay too. Because that's the only way that we're gonna make community-based shifts is by marrying up those agendas. And Simon Sinek did a great book um, called The Infinite Game. And this is absolutely what we're aspiring to do, is not to play the short-term game, but to play for the long-term and know that short-term intervention is not going to create change. It is long-term intervention. And we don't compete with charities. We don't compete with organizations. We work with the Home Office around serious and organized crime and domestic violence and um, trafficking to a whole range of charities and social services. And we say, Let's work together to help to make this change, bring in what we can, coupling it with what you do to make that change happen. So really encouraging that collaborative space. And by the way, all those volunteers, because we're going, gosh, we don't pay you. And we're using your expertise. So what we do is we run this 
what we call, gosh, here I go with the inspiring, inspiring this, inspiring that, um, but the Inspiring Leadership Academy. But it's where our speakers who are athletes, coaches, authors, the top of, the ga- of their game, they say, hey, we'll rock up for free and we'll deliver a masterclass or we'll deliver coaching. And that will be completely free for all of your volunteers, all of your partners. And that's, again, we just kind of close the gap so everybody is it receiving a journey of inspirational leadership and giving that back to their community. So it's that notion of everybody who gives, everybody gains. Um, and that's what the charity does. Well, you know, you say you're a, a fairly shy person. I, I, do you know what? This will surprise a lot of people. But deep down, I suppose I am as well. You know, sometimes you you have this kind of mask that we wear in certain yeah. situations when we're on a stage or in a, in a facilitating a, a group meeting or a or a coaching session, for example. Um, but uh, it's a shame, really, that the listeners to the Sandra 40 podcast can't see you today because this is audio only. Um, if they had the benefit of seeing the video of this uh, of this discussion today, Lee, they would see how clearly very animated and passionate uh, and and the extent to which you really, truly believe in what you do. And, and that comes across, you know, you, you use the word inspirational. I, I honestly have to say in a word, that's that's the way you come across in everything that you do and say. Um, and I really do appreciate on behalf of the very many people now listening to the Sandro Forty podcast, really do appreciate everything you shared with us today in, in 30 minutes that just has gone by in the blink of an eye. So I suppose the last question, which is the one that we ask all of our guests, um, is that if you were giving, well, you, you know, you talked earlier about possibly becoming a grandmother very soon. So let's imagine that the grandson or the granddaughter at some stage jumped up on her grandmother's knee and says, you know, I've, I'm, I'm 12 years old now, granny. And, uh, it's a terrible word to use, isn't it? Granny, you don't look like you're ever going to be a granny anytime soon. Um, but let's imagine they were having that conversation with you and, and said, you know, given all of your wonderful experiences in life, you know, the successes, the failures, the way you've coached other people to achieving great outcomes. If you could summarize it all in a sentence or two, that one singular focused piece of advice that would help me achieve the best outcomes for myself in life, um, whether it's the eight point model or whatever it is, what, what's that one thing that if I could only focus on it and nothing else, what would that be, Lee? Oh, um, this is so hard for me to do focus clearly but I think you know we're a short time in this world um and so not to think about our life expectancy um but but kind of and almost not to think about what we expect from life as well because then that plays to our egos but what does the world around me us need from me right now and by looking through that lens then how can you live so abundantly in the absence of any fear and concern for judgment or anything? How can you live abundantly with no expectations in return? And I think that's what the world needs right now. That's what our communities need right now. Mm. So that would be it. Fantastic. Beautifully put in a very, very good way to end uh, this podcast conversation today. Um, Once again, Uh, Lee, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been incredibly insightful, very inspirational, very enlightening, and long may you continue to do all the wonderful things you're doing, particularly with women, you know, a a community 
um, that has been underserved probably in the past, but it's great to see, we, we, you know, we have a disproportionate number of male guests on the Sandro Forte podcast. So great that you're representing women, but even greater that you are helping to develop the talent in so many of the, of the world's women. So long may you continue to do all the great things you're doing. Uh, good luck in all that you continue to do, particularly, particularly with regard to the wonderful work you do on the trust. And we look forward, I'm sure, to our paths crossing at some stage in the not too distant future. Thank you so much, Sandro. And likewise, it's such an inspiration to see somebody like you um, who has great enthusiasm, passion, and how you bring that out to the world as well. So congratulations on your success, but more importantly, your impact.